Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Yeah, so you've got a quite um, an inspirational story. I like uh, you know your your brand, and obviously we've spoken in a, a few uh, on on Clubhouse and uh, uh, listened to your podcast with Jen as well. So I know you've got quite a lot to to share with our audience, you know, to uh, make us all sort of uh, stand out. So it'd be good to you know capture all of that on the co- in the course of the other uh, podcast. So I thought uh, initially we'll probably set the scene by just uh, taking you back a little bit for you to just give us a little bit more of your background, like, you know, from humble beginnings, you know, uh, growing up, maybe school and how you stumbled onto uh, your uh, your particular niche and what you, what you do now. So, yeah, if you just uh, uh, take us through, take us back, you know, from, from the early days and, and then we'll build it up from there. And within that, we can just uh, pick topics and discuss as we go along. Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> so I'll give you the edited version, otherwise we'll be here a very long time. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, basically what happened was I was born a few years ago. Now. I know you can't tell from my youthful looks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was born into a very, um, very conflicted environment. So my dad was an alcoholic and my mum was a workaholic. Uh, and she probably became a workaholic because my dad was an alcoholic. <laughs> so she had to work really, really hard. So I was already born into this environment where I had my mom that was an incredibly hard worker. My dad kept getting fired and I never knew why. And all this argumentative kind of environment. And I, and I was very different. I didn't quite fit in. I was asthmatic. I had eczema. Um, I was obviously I didn't know back then, but I was dyslexic. So I found things very hard to read i still do i've written four books and i still can't read you know <laughs> and my fifth one's coming out soon but uh, it's just one of those strange things i listen to audiobooks mm. and um kind of and you know i didn't go on with my brother and i felt very isolated as a child i felt very different so of course when i've got that kind of environment at home i wasn't a particularly nice kid at school either i wasn't you know i just wasn't a nice kid uh, and that's something kind of that pattern carried on as i grew up i then you'd use school more of an outlet to what was going on at home. And um, so obviously I wasn't very nice to teachers. So teachers out there, I'm very sorry, uh, but I wasn't very nice to teachers or teachers weren't very nice to me, but equally I found learning very hard because I couldn't read. And then I was being told I was lazy and I was like, no, I'm not lazy. I'm trying. And when I would write, they would, you know, make fun of my writing and, you know, and and it's just kind of those, that vicious cycle because at the time, again, dyslexia wasn't, while it was common, it wasn't very known. Mm. So um, as you can imagine, I, I did some pretty silly things, going to loads of fights and, and knife fights and things like that as a child, as a teenager. <laughs> We're more into teenage territory now. And um, yeah, and just, 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 yeah, it was quite troublesome. Mm. And then um, gradually what happened was my mom kind of, by this point, my parents were divorced. So my parents got divorced when I was six. So again, it was an era where being divorced wasn't common. You know, now it's fairly common. Oh, my parents are getting divorced. Let's go down the pub. Back mm-hmm. then, it's like, oh my God, your parents are divorced. And you're such mm-hmm. a weirdo. Like, do your parents get divorced because of you? It's like, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those. And 
with all my illnesses and I had really bad, you know, eczema up my arms, which meant that when people would go to pools and things like that, I couldn't go in and I was told I couldn't go in. So all in all, I kind of um, always felt very disconnected uh, and not a part of. And that's kind of a theme that carried on for years throughout my life. I always haven't belonged, but mm. I do now. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then what happened was uh, when I was uh, at school in Kingsbury in London, I did a mini, like a little bit of a Shakespeare play. Like mm. I think I had eight lines or something silly like that, really small, <laughs> as you like it. Yeah, that was the only bit I did. A because I couldn't read. <laughs> B because I just wasn't good enough, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that sent me on a path to really start exploring performing arts. I ended up at college doing performing arts in Barnet in London, and in my year was a gentleman who ended up in a in a, a boy girl band, and a year above me was one of the Spice Girls. Um, unfortunately, I didn't end up in anything as exciting as the Spice Girls or a boy girl band. Um, but that set me on the path, really, I think, to start becoming self aware to who I am, my identity, yeah. who I wanted to be. But again, you know, within that, I still kind of didn't fit in. So while I'm surrounded by all these performers, I was the guy who there was the rocker with the long hair and the big glasses and the big boots. Yeah. And then even when I used to go to rock clubs, I'll show up to rock clubs wearing musical T-shirts, you know, to make a point. So mm. while I wasn't kind of loud and obnoxious, I always found a way to stand out, you know. So that's kind of, you know, from there I pursued a bit of a path to uni. I did dance and drama out there. And then I quit after two years because I felt the course wasn't right for me. Even though I had one more year left, everyone's like, no, don't quit, don't do it. It's like, you know what, I need to do this. So then I uh, auditioned to a dance school. Um, mm. And I got in and I had no money. And by the way, with my mum being a workaholic, my dad being an alcoholic, we, we didn't have any money growing up. I very much wore a lot of pass-me-down clothes. You know, here and there I'd get new clothes. It wasn't. But, you know, I'm not someone that had a lot of money. You know, when, when people were getting five pounds for spending money, I was getting 50p. You know, I remember they, particularly when we used to go to the shops, you know, everybody seemed to have more money than me to buy whatever they want. And I was like standing over my 50p going, what am I going to do with this? You know, <laughs> then again, at the time, you could buy a can of Coke and a Mars bar for 50p. So mm. I would buy a can of Coke and a Mars bar. <laughs> it just got trickier when we started smoking and things like that. I don't smoke now, obviously, but back then. Yeah. So, yeah, I started, um, I got into a dance school. And again, you know, to prove a point in many ways. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have any backing. I didn't have anything. So I worked every night and every weekend to raise the money. I just knew I really wanted it till eventually I got a scholarship from the, from the school. They were like, we've watched you. You're working so hard. We want to make sure you can do it. And then my third year was funded. I was the last year of funding. I just about scraped. Wow. wow. Yeah, literally the last year of funded education. Mm. Again, showing my age here. Yeah, yeah, and then I I had a bit of a, a dance career until I got injured. So that takes me up to I was 30. 30, got injured, had a disc hernia. And then I had to find my path again. So I did try and go back to dancing. I did a whole taking year out and then, uh, you know, working on myself. And, but then literally the day back, one last kick and my back went again. I didn't have the tools then I had now. So I mm -hmm. kind of knew it was over. Then I pursued different paths. I tried launching a fashion label i worked as a pr for a modeling agency i did a whole bunch of things i tried to get a tv show commissioned you know i put up the money for the pilot yeah. 
Yeah. So I did a, a whole bunch of things like that. And then I landed in a training job. From the training job, I kind of found my path into coaching, coaching into strategy. Yeah. But throughout that, I've always, and then I found a real passion for obviously public speaking. Yeah. And not because uh, of my, you know, I guess a little bit because of my performance background, but more because of the impact it can have on people and mm -hmm. how quickly you can impact people's lives. Yeah. So then for the last decade, I've been involved in public speaking training. I've been an international trainer. I train myself now internationally, mm -hmm. but I was also part of another organization. I've moved away from that now. And now I run Speaker Express full time. But also within that, I've been bankrupt. I've lost everything, you know, way back in 2011. I lost my apartment that bankrupted me. I have slept on my dad's floor because I was homeless. Homeless mm -hmm. doesn't mean sleeping rough for everybody out there. So, you know, because I just believed in my artistry. I've been dumped for a billionaire by a girl I was madly in love with. Whoa. So there's some interesting things along the journey. I've suffered from depression. That was three yeah. years ago, really bad depression for months. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting uh, journey to where mm. I am today. Yeah, so that gives you a little bit of an insight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, Elliot. There's uh, quite a lot of stuff there, like like you said to unpack. But uh, I just picked up on uh, one key word from all of that that you said, and that is uh, this awareness which which you've mentioned about. Because obviously you've gone through a lot of stuff. I can imagine from where you are today, if you knew some of the things you know now back then, you would have probably done things differently. So yeah. I think that, that's quite a, a, a key uh, maybe word to, to sort of unpack because when you are going through all of that, I guess you are just caught up in the motion of what things are happening and how they are happening. And you started probably to pick up the awareness of certain things over time. And that's what has helped you to build a certain life to where you are today uh but um i guess uh, uh the, the question would be uh for for people who are also caught up in that with what you know now what are the some of the key things you 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 think sort of helped you to map out your journey or was, was there maybe some key people mentors as well in there that actually helped you in that awareness phase yeah, I mean, I think all along I've had mentors, even if I didn't know they were called mentors at the time. Mm. You know, I've been very lucky that people kind of always wanted to take me under their wing and yeah. and help. You know, even when I was at school, I remember um, at school, even at school, yeah, even as disruptive as I was at school. But when I was at the dance school and I was you know, I was working every night and every day and I was exhausted, plus training, you know, every yeah. single day. When we're not talking like you do like an hour a day, we're doing six to eight hours a day. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just remember this woman, her name's Alison. She's incredible. I didn't even realize that, but she was married to my friend's cousin. I didn't mm. know. And she just stopped me one day. She's like, oh, Elliot. Like, hi, Alison. She was like, how are you doing? And she, she just asked me some questions. And then she went, she just went, I want you to know that there's 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 a guardian angel watching over you. Mm. I was like, oh, well, so yeah. like just know that, just know there's a guardian angel, and this is out of nowhere. This is out of context. So you're being watched, and there's a guardian mm. angel watching. I was like, oh wow, okay. So that already felt made me feel made me feel very protected, and like yeah. I, I've always had those people in my life. You know, if you if we look back at our life, there's always had people that you've always had people in your life that have kind of had your back. 
looked yeah. out for you. You know, even through teenagers, when I was really my teenage years, when I was disruptive and that, I'd always get taken in by families and looked after like as one of their own. You know, and then throughout that, I've always had those people in my life that I guess technically were mentors, even, you know, when I was training a guy called Namron, who was the first black male dancer in the UK, you know, mm. contemporary dancer. He mm. always kept an eye out for me. He was always like, Elliot, yeah. Elliot, Elliot, come here. <laughs> you know, yeah. How are you? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> you know, and he was really this really loud, for like, big, larger-than-life character. Yeah. So I think I've always had mentors, right? Mm. Uh, in that respect, and I would have done a lot differently. I, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't change the lessons because it's yeah. who I am today. But I would have changed a lot of how I did things if I could rewind. Mm. And I think that's everybody, right? The hindsight's a great thing. I think people have always had a presence in my life to guide me, um, and I've always welcomed that. Yeah. And I think we can we can either be guided down various paths right we all have if even if we end up in crime which i was very close to to ending up with in knife fights and things like that you know there's people that can guide you down that road and they're mentors it's all a choice that we 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 want to make but it's the presence of people that had my back and wanted the best for me and and could see that you know this isn't a good path and my willingness to listen i mean the big change happened when I was 16. Basically, my mom was like, look, you're going to be a criminal. Like, you're, you out late. You're out getting into fights. And she moved us. She moved us from really quick, you know, urban life to a very quiet village for a little bit. Mm. And that changed everything. That changed my relationship with my mom. That changed my yeah. relationship with people. It meant that because I wasn't always coming in and going. We were in this small village, so I was home a lot more. Right. Mm. And I was doing other things. So the importance of people to, as guides in my life has been an essential part, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, wow, brilliant. Thanks, Elliot. Now, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, being different and, uh, you know, we we'll talk brand as well about being more giraffe, but there's um, a, a lot of people, like if you look at the world, there is like a section which is perceived or seen to be like normal, you know, you mentioned yourself, you know, growing up, there were certain things which were a bit out of like the norm of people. I, I mean, you dys- uh, dyslexia as well. So that can uh, create obviously a number of challenges. And, you know, if you don't have the right guidance, it can even end up in a different, you know, path, maybe destructive compared to others. So uh, do you think for the people who end up like standing out or doing something different, there has to be something that is different to them from like an earlier age. Because if you are like a normal child doing well in school or whatever, you will probably ended up with a maybe you you know degree, university education, got a job and worked your uh, career ladder and all of that. But your path uh, you know took a different turn because of some of the traits of you being different. Do you think it's necessary that, or can people turn themselves? from a normal and just become something different? It's a great question. I think, you know, first we have to examine is what what is normal, right? Mm, yeah. And I think we have to look at, you know, for those people that did get a degree and did get a great job and having a great life, that's okay. I mean, that's that's yeah. they're living within their value system, their belief system. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. 
I think anybody can choose to stand out, right? I, I think anybody can learn to be a speaker and anybody can choose yep. to stand out and anybody can choose to make a dent and everybody can disrupt an industry. I think the key difference is, is a lot of people are willing to take the hits and do what it takes to get to where you need to get to, to, to create that, to stand out. Um, because it's a path full of rejection. It's a path full of criticism. It's a path full of negativity. Um, you know, Elon Musk, right? Take Elon Musk. He's one of the key disruptors of industries in the world. And he's driven by his mission to save the human race. Mm. And he just like, he just, he's always up against it. Whatever he does, he's up against it. Criticism, rejection. Yeah. It's never going to happen. It's never going to work. Right. <clears throat> so he, on a daily basis, has to be a better version than everybody else around him. Mm. So it's a choice. He chooses to do that because that's the path he wants to go down. Now, you don't have to play on the Elon Musk level. You can play on various levels, but it's a choice. But it's the choice. I think a lot of people buy into the the glamour and the the, the, the dream and, the, mm. you know, that they see that, oh, I just wrote an idea on a beer mat and look at me, now I'm a millionaire, mm -hmm. right? They just, they don't see all the graft, the hard work. You know, being an entrepreneur, yeah. being someone who's a disruptor, being someone who's to, who's choosing to stand out, you're continuously manage, managing the anxiety that something can go wrong at any minute, right? You're always slightly on the edge. Um, and that's something that people don't understand uh, or aren't willing to live by. And if you're willing to live by that, you can. And again, it's understanding, you know, you can make a huge impact on a small community and have a legacy that way. Mm. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know, Gandhi style revolution, you know, or Martin Luther King. It's great if that's what you want and you're willing to go for that, go for it. I'll be the first to encourage you. But, you know, you can stand out in various ways at different levels. Yeah. But understand that the moment you poke your head out, that you're open to, to mm -hmm. the criticism, the judgment, the rejection. And that is part of the path. Yeah. So I was working with a, an incredible young chef last year and she was on the, um, Master Chef Professionals, and she mm -hmm. came in the top four. So anyone that's been watching that will know who that is. And because she was very quickly elevated to a certain level, she because she said one word which was taken out of constant, she got days of hate. Wow. Thousands of hate emails, thousands of hate comments. But that is part of sticking out, standing out, yeah. daring to do something. Of course, she apologized. I mean... Did she need to apologize? That's something else. But the fact is she had to mm. and claw it back. And that's changed the whole relationship. I mean, I interviewed her on my podcast and that changed the yeah. whole relationship with social media, with the media, with being famous because she's technically famous in this field, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, anyone can stand out. Anybody can speak. Anybody can make a difference. It's the choice and the bravery and the willingness to take what comes with it. That's where yeah. people differ. Hmm. Absolutely. And some people don't want it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the element of uh, the comfort zone also plays a part, isn't it? Because uh, a lot of people, I guess, if they follow a path which is perceived as normal and everything is going okay, they don't have, you know, what they would call like normal challenges and everything is certain. Certainly from a point of view of maybe, you know, like a paycheck, you know, they have to pay bills and everything is good. Yeah. It's quite difficult for them if they're not, not facing any specific challenge to just caught up in that um, comfort zone. I mean, I was, I was speaking to 
um, one uh, parent actually who goes with my son to football and uh, he works for a company. You know, they pay very well and, you know, there's a pension and all of those kind of things. But, uh, you know, he's stuck in there because he doesn't have the time to actually get out and do something of his own. But at the same time, he, the, the job is not something that he enjoys. So you get caught up in that. But to actually step out of that, there's this scary thing because it's a comfort zone, isn't it? So, you know, how, how, why don't you say, like, how can people get themselves out of the comfort zone? Because just like you say, to go into the other side of, you know, making yourself stand out, it's quite scary in itself as well. It's like an unknown zone. And it comes with its own risk as well. But if you don't do it, you, you're caught up in that cycle of not being happy with yourself, even though you've got some certainty and safety in other aspects. <clears throat> yeah, and I think a lot of that, you know, I think obviously there's a huge rise of mental health challenges. Um, and I think a lot of that, not all of it, is due to being purposeless. And I feel that a lot of people have settled in life yeah. and they're not happy. They're not happy. So I'll give you an example. You're talking about that gentleman that doesn't have time, you know, and stuff like that. So I've just started doing this whole new way, this 75 day challenge of eating a certain way, exercising a, a certain way. Mm -hmm. And leading up to it, I was like, where am I going to get time? Right. Cause you have to prep, you eat six times yeah. a day. So where am I going to get time to eat? I barely eat three times a day. Now, how am I going to get time? Right. But when you're all in, you find the time, right? Yeah. You find the time, you find the dedication, you find it when, and actually even my wife, we're talking to my wife because she's doing it well as well because there's no alcohol, there's no sugar, right? There's mm -hmm. there's no salt, all these kind of like every, there's no snacking, you, there's no topping up, there's no like even fruit, there's nothing, if it's not in the diet, you don't eat it. Mm -hmm. And I'm loving it, I'm having some great results, right? <laughs> Got rid of the dad bod, I'm starting to see my six pack again, I feel energy, my running's improved because I run a lot as well. Wow. And I was saying to say, and my wife's going, well, you know, we're kind of missing out because we're not drinking, you know, it's great weather, you know, we can't <laughs> even have a beer. And I was like, yeah. look, to me, the result far outweighs not having a beer or yeah. not having a snack. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's the same. When the result outweighs the pain, when the, the reward will be bigger than the pain, then you'll be able to move. Then that guy will take yeah. action, right? Hmm. Or he'll wait till the pain is so severe, then he won't have a choice. Now, yeah. you know, I, 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 I mean, I, when I enrolled in this, it, I wasn't like beating myself up. I wasn't calling myself fat. I just knew it was time to get rid of the dog, the dad bod. There was no self-defecating. It was like, oh, I'm so ugly. I was on this. I need a diet. It was nothing like that. I was like, you know what, dad bod? Thank you. You've served me. It's time to go. You know, and I, and I, but I'm all in. And now I'm seeing the results. Four weeks later, it hasn't been easy, right? Then I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to touch anything. Now I'm even thinking about life after this challenge. And I'm mm. thinking, do I want to go back? Do I really, you know, how much am I really missing a drink here and a snack there? Yeah. Because the results are greater than you see. So for me, if people make a determined decision and don't always make the excuse of the how, or mm -hmm. just know that the reward is far greater than the pain of staying where you are, you'll find a way. When, you know, when I built my businesses, I didn't know the how, I did it. When I left my job, I didn't know how, I did it. Uh, and, and, you know, I made plenty of mistakes, obviously. <laughs> Loads of stuff has gone wrong. Um, mm. So much things have gone wrong. But I wouldn't change it for, for, for my life. Like, yeah. I, I have a beautiful family now, um, two beautiful kids, and everything I do is really about 
leaving a great legacy for them. Like I want to hand them a bunch of stuff that they can have as businesses because I never had that, obviously. So that's driven. Again, the reward outweighs the the pain, so it keeps yeah. me driven. Mm. And it's the same. So, you know, you're about wealth, uh, you know, the business wealth and mindset. Mm. Nobody knew or nobody has it figured out. And anyone that says they do are full of it, right? Yeah. But they know there's something greater in the wealth creation or building that, you know, Branson didn't know how to run an airline when he set up the airline. He just knew he had to do it because he had a terrible customer service experience, right? Of course, if you're delving to serve industries like, you know, if, if you're launching a restaurant, well, it's, you, you better know about food, right? You better know about customer mm -hmm. service. You better know about great experience, which is the minimum that people expect or various aspects. But if you're always stuck on the how, you never move. So it's not about the how, it's about the who. Who can help you? Who can show yeah. you the way? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying in terms of, you know, that gentleman, when things matter enough for us, we find the time, the energy, the space, and the money. That's a fact. Yeah. You find the time, the space, the energy, and the money, when something matters so much to you, you find a way. And yeah. I think a lot of people's depression, and I'm happy to talk about mine, you yeah. know, comes from comparison, you know, comparing the shoulding i should be bound like i should be doing something else i should be making more money i should have a bigger house right but it also comes from lack of purpose and if we lack of purpose right yeah. if we don't own our purpose someone will own us yeah. and that's a fact right so again let's take this gentleman good job he's not happy he's owned he's someone's yeah. he is an employee he might have great benefits good on him and he i'm sure he works very hard Mm -hmm. But he's not owning his journey. He's dependent on someone else. Now, what if someone cuts that string? Boom. Sorry. Yep. Tomorrow there's no job. Then what? Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a great share, Elliot. And uh, I, I guess, you know, just to take it into the mindset aspect as well, because, I mean, you mentioned about when the pain is so great, you know, that's when it can make people jump. But... From a, a mindset point of view, is this something that, you know, if you have or develop some sort of mindset, you can actually create that in your mind to say, even though the pain is not yet there to make you jump, but you create it in your mind to actually make you take that leap without actually waiting for uh, for, for things to actually fall apart. What what do you think is the, the power, the value of mindset and how can people get that? Yeah, I mean, it's that cliche, right? That 80% of everything we do is mindset, everything. Yeah. And that's so true. Mm. You know, anybody, anybody can do it. This isn't for the chosen few. Again, I think there's a lot of blocks for people's willingness to work on mindset. It's also finding mm. what works for you. A lot of people go, yeah. well, I, I used to go to a psychologist. Well, that didn't work for me. Well, that didn't work for you. That doesn't mean nothing will work for you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Look, mindset this last year has been tough for any, every, most people in business, right? It's been a mm -hmm. very tough year for my, my business, for my industry. Um, for me, because I've been bankrupt and because I almost lost one of my businesses and I turned it around and I, you know, I've got to that point where I've had nothing in my bank account. I've got to the point where I've had, what was it? 900 pounds in my account. And that was enough to pay a venue and the AV guy. And if that, if that event didn't work, I would have lost the business right mm -hmm. for me it's it's tapping or being reminded of the painful past yeah that propels me forwards 
So we've all had, unfortunately, most of us have had painful experiences. You can use those as stark reminders. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to feel that again. And I know when we talk about the law of attraction, things like that, we focus on what we do and what we want to attract. But equally, we can take that past pain and be reminded. And, you know, those who are driven to that massive global high level are driven by something so painful in their past, even if they healed, that they, that they, they, they never want anyone to experience that again or they never want an industry to experience that again. So, no, you don't have to wait until everything's fallen apart. Um, there's value in that. Rock bottom's a great place to build from. However, you can take those memories of the past to push you forwards. And, you know, the thing is about mindset, the other thing you find is some people think it's like, oh, I've done it. I'm sorted now, right? And what I found is whenever you get to another level, you know nothing again, and then you go to another level and you know nothing yeah. And so especially the more you grow, the less you know. And like so many times I'll sit there thinking, well, I, sh I should know all this stuff. I don't. How do I not know that? Right? Yeah. I'm supposed to be this evolved, but no, but I don't. And that's being humble and grounded about things and going, you don't know everything. Um, having an open and a learning mindset. So, you know, every day I listen to, you know, I, I do certain things every day to keep my mindset fresh. Um, it was, you know, there were times in the last 12 months that I was tempted to just give up, go, okay, I'm done. Mm. right because things were tough but then in that moment that's when you dig deep and you find that inner drive you're reminded of that time when or you hear that voice going oh remember this you know i, I knew this would happen you're like no not happening not my watch <laughs> boom so it's finding our drivers it's finding what matters to us for me it's also important to be an example for my young kids i like look i want to yeah. And to see the daddy that this and the daddy that that, not the daddy that sat around, watched TV and drank all day, which is what I saw. Actually, I never saw my dad drink in fairness, but I did see him drink, you know, lie there all day. Mm -hmm. um, so it's taking all those bits and going to the professionals, working with a coach, working with a mentor in various space. You know, at one point I had three different mentors for three different aspects of business building. Yeah. I had three different coaches as well. Now I've got one coach. Uh, that and that's what I need right now, and I, I just get that safe space to express myself mm -hmm. because I, I'm not a huge public figure, but I'm kind of known, and I have to be very careful mm -hmm. what I say, and I don't always 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 have those outlets. So the coach gives me that outlet to express myself. But mindset is a never-ending process; it's an evolution; it's continuous. Like bodybuilders, like runners, it's you're always working on your craft. Mm -hmm. Like footballers, you know. Um, Ronaldo doesn't just go, right, I'm one of the top players in the world. I'm going to stop yeah. training now. I'm done. I'll just rock up to the football pitch and I've got this. Mm. Very few people can do that. Maybe the odd person can. <laughs> but, you know, he's always working on himself, improving, no matter what level. He's like, what's the next? How can I be even better? That inch, that millimeter, that centimeter. That's what mindset's about. It's mm. not about going, I'm done, I'm fixed, right? I find that there's always another level to work yeah. on. Oh, brilliant. That's, that's a great, a great share, Elliot. I guess uh, there is, you know, part of the excitement is in that, you know, that we actually never arrive because everything is evolving and flowing. And if you're in the zone, that, that's where you, you can find that excitement that, you know, what will I know tomorrow? Who will I meet tomorrow? What, what will be my level of understanding of things? But at the same time, because of, uh, you know, the nature of it, some people can find even that in itself a bit exhausting or hard work and all of that especially when they see other people doing it so well and they are maybe doing well 
they feel maybe, you know, these limiting beliefs start to set in saying, oh, maybe it's, it's such a tough journey and I can't be like Elliot or it's, you know, it's difficult and people can give in, you know, because of that as well. And what, what would you say to, to that view of people who, you know, see it as a tough journey as well? Because there's a, actually no reference point. Everything could change tomorrow, could be different and so on. And that can be quite exhausting and difficult. Yeah, so look, I think... You know, Michael Jordan said that you miss every shot you don't take, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you take the shot, you might score or, you know, or you learn to score and you learn to perfect. And I think for anyone that sees it that way, you're better off starting, getting going and learning as you go along Mm -hmm. than not get going, right? Because pain is temporary and greatness lasts forever. And if you're willing to confront your pain, your challenges, your blockages, your limiting beliefs, what could be stopping you, the results will far outweigh you standing still. That's just, you know, if I start a marathon and I complete half of it, I've still completed half of it. You know, if if I start and I've done three miles of it and I have to stop, well, I've done three miles. At least I know that I've done something versus nothing. And, you know, Fail forwards. You're going to fail, fail, move it forwards. You know, things aren't going to work out. Learn the lessons. Be accepting of that. I think a lot of people, again, think they have to have it quick and sussed and figured mm. out and boom, boom, boom. I, I, you know, that fear of getting it wrong. It, that's where we learn. That's where we grow. Again, to be on this path, you're going to get it far more wrong than you are right. But yeah. the right can be really rewarding. That's the thing. So for the people thinking that, you know, It's also about the baby steps, step by step, bit by bit, inch by inch, millimeter, improve little bits at a time, not this big overnight. I'm fixed. I'm sorry. This isn't Rocky. It's not a film, right? It doesn't happen in 20 minutes going from I'm not fit to fit and I can fly in the ring now. Mm. Yeah. It's the millimeters, the inches. It's the daily, daily exercise, the daily bits. It's the daily thoughts. It's the daily work. That's where. And then you look back and go, wow, I'm a different person. Yeah. And it might feel for days or weeks that nothing's different, nothing's changed. And then you just have that pop, you have that moment go, oh, yeah. that was different. And that's the other thing. People are obsessed with immediate results, immediate change, immediate shifts, immediate income, immediate money. It just doesn't happen. That's yeah. only in the movies, really, honestly. I've seen, you know, I know really, really, really wealthy, like billionaires, and they all say, look, I didn't just wake up fart and make a million billion pounds right it takes time graft hard work but you know the one thing they all talk about is the willingness to work on their mindset Mm. so whatever's in your way find that person you trust that you know can support you find the money invest in it because it's probably the greatest investment you'll ever make But that's brilliant advice, Elliot. I mean, like you said, then the small steps, those millimeters. I mean, I remember reading a, a story. I think it was in the um, uh, successful positive uh, mental attitude where it talks about a lady who who walked quite a distance in America, and uh, when uh, she was asked, it's quite an old lady as well. When she was asked how she managed to do it, and she said, "You know, I know how to take one step, and I know how to take the next one." And that's what I was doing. You just take one, the next. Before you know it, if you're doing that over the course of a year, you're in a very different place. But exactly. only just one step. And that's that's all it is, if you think about it. So it, it is, uh, uh, like you say, you know, success, that 
doesn't just happen overnight. You know, we look at successful people and we think, wow, if I could be there, but you don't see the, you know, craft and everything, the small steps that they were taking to get there. So that's yeah. a, um, a, a, a brilliant share, uh, that one earlier. Now, uh, let's talk now about the uh, Be More Giraffe uh, specifically. So talk, talk us through um, the, the, the brand and also, yeah, what, what it's all about, being more giraffe. People. Yeah, so being more giraffe is basically everything we've been talking about is daring to stand out for the right reason. So it's about rising above the noise, being seen, being heard for all the right reasons, being the go-to provider, uh, brand, you know, service provider, product mm-hmm. in your space. And we do that through the use of public speaking. So we do that through teaching people how to speak and stand out, you know. But you can be more giraffe in various industries, but I specifically talk about it in the speaking world. And that came about because um, we did some research towards the end of last year with our database, and we found out what their their greatest challenges were and things like that. And um, I had this little giraffe. He's actually over there, Gigi. Like one of those you buy on holiday. You're like, oh, why did I buy that? And then as we were reading through, I turned around to my content girl at the time and I was like, oh, you know, I think people want to be more giraffe. She's like, that's it. That's our marketing message. Let's go. And that's how it came across. So it's something that was a joke has become our marketing message. Mm. And while it's it's a fun message, there's some serious undertone to it, which is daring to stand out, daring to stick your neck out, you know, Mm. be seen, be heard for the right reasons. Mm. And that's what Be More Giraffe is all about. And the book's coming out in a couple of months. Ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant. I uh, can't wait to read that. Uh, so you mentioned uh, uh, at, at the moment for you, you concentrate on the um, speaking side of things. I think, um, um, you know, speaking, just take us through about that as well, because um, just like, uh, you know, anything uh, people do, uh, there is um, some elements of uh, uncomfortability and maybe they find it quite hard. And uh, public speaking especially is one of those which uh, people. But it's interesting because, you know, for me, when you're in the audience and someone is speaking, yeah, um, it's, it's a different view. You, you look at them and just maybe, uh, uh, you know, if they are great at the subject content, is someone who is, okay, knows what they're doing. But... Um, for someone who is like good at public speaking or just speaking in general, they just flows just like a normal person. Like we are having a conversation here, you're just talking like that. But then for someone to actually take that uh, step to actually move from the audience to go and stand there, all of a sudden there's this fear about, you know, I can't speak, but in, in essence, you can actually speak normally like we're doing now. And if, if we, took this and go on stage and speak, it just sounds okay, we're just speaking. What is it that makes people to actually freeze when they're actually (laughs) in front of an audience when in normal situations they can actually talk and speak? Yeah, you know, again, I'm saying this, anybody can be a speaker, introverts, extroverts, it really doesn't matter. It's a skill. Right. And the skill can be taught. Sure. Are there more charismatic speakers? Yes. Are there better speakers? Of course. Yeah. So what what gets people to freeze was your question. It comes down to various aspects. And, you know, we explore this a lot on Clubhouse. We, you know, we have a daily show at midday UK. And it it comes out a lot. Obviously, one of the key things we talk about is confidence. We talk about fear. We talk about imposter syndrome. And um, that's one of the key things. If you think about it, a lot of um, what gets – first of all, people absolutely 
fear getting it wrong in front of people. They, mm. they fear that embarrassment. Yeah. There's the fear of rejection. The crowd will reject you, right? There's what is known as imposter syndrome, which is someone tapping you on the shoulder going, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? And mm. being caught out, right? Yeah. And imposter syndrome, there's a bit of an argument, does it exist? Does it? No, it doesn't matter. If someone relates to it and it's affecting them, it exists for them. Yeah. And those are some key things, you know, that people really are inhibited by when it comes to speaking. Yeah. And again, with the right support, with the right coaching, with the right guidance, you can easily get over that, right? And the thing is we talk about is using your voice for good. And if you've got an important message and you've got an important product, brand, if you're disrupting an industry or you want to do good in an industry, one of the best and quickest ways to do that is through speaking. Yeah. Now, if you are committed to a higher purpose, then actually that will immediately give you more confidence because it's not about you. The other thing that affects people is it makes it, they make it about them, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if it's not about you, it's a lot easier to speak and speak up, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the other aspect of it. But what that's what gets people wrong, fear, limiting beliefs, who mm -hmm. am I to speak up? Those are the other things that get people. Yeah. And they're easily, easily, you can deal with them quite easily. Yeah. I guess you, you just need the right, like you said, the right direction, the right coaching, and just align yourself. Because like you say, it's a skill and everything you have to learn to understand, like the structure, the steps, and everything else involved. So, I mean, that that's where, you know, experts like yourself come in to actually help people as well. Um, so do you, um, is it mainly just in the uh, public speaking space? Because there are certain skills which sort of uh, span other areas as well. So, you know, someone can come, uh, you know, maybe, you know, mentorship or training with you, but not, you know, uh, initially with the speaking, but that can help them in other aspects of uh, uh, either negotiation or in their business and all of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah so, you know, the renowned investor um, Warren Buffett, mm -hmm. he has one certificate on his wall. After everything he's achieved, one certificate, and that's from the Dale Carnegie Institute for Public Speaking. Yeah. And instead of <clears throat> when he left college or uni, whatever it was, instead of enrolling on an apprenticeship scheme, he went and trained in public speaking. Because he knew he knew the impact it will have on his confidence, his storytelling, his negotiation. Yeah. So, and he dedicates the first chapter of his book, the first page, isn't about investing; it's about public speaking. Yeah, because public speaking yeah. is one of the greatest magnifiers mm -hmm. of our life, right? Um, it's a big magnifying glass. It magnifies everything that's right and wrong about us. We stand on stage; we're vulnerable; we're exposed. It exposes our belief system. It exposes our ability to communicate. It exposes every part of our beingness mm. which is why it's when you train with public speaking you're training a huge part of your life yeah. so many people have done the training with us and said after doing public speaking training i'm more confident i negotiate better i talk better i found i argue better right <laughs> <clears throat> i'm more driven I, i've got more passion i speak up more and that's outside of the stage you know, so absolutely, you're not just training to be a speaker, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, it gets far deeper than that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, in terms of our balance, though, because uh, obviously, you know, over 7 billion people in the world, 
none the same. We're all different. How do you, I guess, from a standout point of view, you also have to keep that authenticity, like, you know, who you are as a person, because otherwise, you know, you can be, oh, maybe I like this comedian, or I like this person, I want to speak like them and do like that, uh, do something similar to what they're doing. But in the course of doing that, you're losing yourself, you're losing your authenticity. And maybe in certain aspects, it is actually that uniqueness of you, that authenticity, which actually people relates to other, you know, never mind someone else. So, you know, how how can people keep that in mind as well to say, you know, you're, you've got a message and, and knowledge, something that you want to share, but you also need to keep your authenticity, you as a person, so that it all resonates well with the people who may actually uh, pick up your message because of you as a person rather than you copying someone else. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. One of our key things is authenticity. We're all about pulling the, the best of you out, not about changing you. Structure gives you freedom. A lot of people are like, what? Structure? Yeah, we're not about scripting, about structure. Structure is like the spine of the talk. It gives you the freedom to maneuver around but come to the same point. Yeah. The language you use, that's one the other way you stand out but remain authentic. And, of course, how you deliver, how you choose to deliver your talks is another way that you stand out. Mm -hmm. The key thing that gets you to stand out more than anything is your story because no one has your story, yeah. right? And as long as you're telling it from a place of elevation, empowerment, to inspire, to put the listener the, in, in as the hero of the journey, then again, people will connect with that. If you're yeah. self-indulgent, you're on stage to talk about yourself, people get bored with that, yeah. right? They can watch you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that's how you stay authentic. It's about using the right structure, which magnifies you. It's about using a language that magnifies you. And of course, it's how you choose to deliver as a speaker. And there's various ways to do it. Out of the 7 billion people on this planet, not everybody wants to be a speaker. So that's yeah. the good news, yeah. <laughs> right? I think a lot of people like, and the other thing is to understand that being a speaker, you know, a lot of people think it's walking on big stages, thousands of people, you know. Yeah. There's so many different levels of being a speaker and there's so many different ways to be a speaker and there's so many different ways to monetize speaking that mm. it's not all about the dream. Because speaking yeah. is a lot more practical than just going out in front of 10,000 people. Yes, that's a great. That's good for your ego. And it's good when you get there. And I really hope I get to walk out in front of 10,000 people and do a talk. I haven't done it yet. I've done 1,000, mm. right? Yeah. I've done loads. I've done from 10 upwards. But my biggest has been 1,000, right? So it's really about that your biggest sales tool is being authentic. If you want to rise above the noise, stand out. Stand out for being you. They're going to get judged. You're going to get judged anyway. So you might as well yeah. get judged for the being the best version of yourself. Mm. Brilliant. Thanks, Elliot. Now, uh, in terms of, uh, as, as you, um, as, as we draw up down to a close, in terms of uh, what do you guys provide and how you can help some of our listeners as well, just uh, take us through, uh, you know, what do you do specifically and how people can maybe engage with you and what what, what you offer as well. Yeah. yeah, so we have a variety of offerings. We have anything from online training courses to live trainings. Mm -hmm. um, I work a lot with people on their pitching, you know, on their ability to pitch if they're raising investment or their investors. Um, we work a lot on people's signature talk, which is that one talk that yeah. has massive impact and enrolls people to want to buy from you. Mm -hmm. So as well as how you communicate your brand message. But really, if I look at the last year, what was I booked for the most? Pitch yeah. training. I was booked a lot for helping people with their signature talk so they can go out when they talk and win business. 
And of course, I have online trainings. We're launching a mastermind in July as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the right level, then there's the mastermind. So it's a variety of offerings depending where you are in your journey. Yeah. Um, best way to, you know, obviously follow us on Instagram, Standout Academy. And there's yeah. also there's, there's different handles, Standout Academy or Speaker Express. Um, mm-hmm. Standout Academy is more the Be More Giraffe philosophy. Speaker Express is more just about speaking. So they do have different tones. I'll reach out to me, hello at speakerexpress.co.uk. If you've got a question, you want to find out something. I've got a ton of free resources as well that people can have. Uh, so if they're like, oh, just getting started, I'm like, okay, check this out, check this out. There's a standout kind of YouTube channel as well where I load videos. So, you know, best way if you want to reach me direct is just email, hello at speakerexpress.uk or Instagram, standout academy, that will get to me. There's a team that also look at them, but it'll get to me as well. So that's the best Great. way to do it. Brilliant. Thanks, Elliot. Now, you know what, while we talked about, you know, purpose and vision as well, uh, you know, we, we, we discussed that. But, uh, so for you, you know, coming back to, you know, how you stand out, you know, by your story and being authentic and all of that, in terms of your vision, you know, five, 10 years from now, what what does the vision look like for you? Like, where do you see yourself? <laughs> well, five to 10 years from now, the vision is to sell the business and become a full-time investor. And then I want to take the kids around the world to be educated by the world and to really give them taste of what life is like in different cultures. Yeah. And, and of course, touring, speaking around entrepreneurship and inspiring businesses. But ultimately, it's become an investor. Mm. It's to take the kids around the world so they can see how fortunate we are to live where we live uh, mm-hmm. as much as enjoy the world and to meet different cultures. And that's what the next five to 10 years looks like for me. Brilliant. Elliot, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for taking the time to come and speak to us on the Business Worth and Mindset podcast. I'm sure Thanks for having me. You know, uh, quite a, um, you know, our listeners will resonate to your message as well, your story, you know, being more giraffe as well. And uh, yeah, you know, we'll get to share some of your resources as well and where people can find you. And I'm sure, you know, we'll get to speak again soon. So very soon. Look forward to it. Alex, uh, thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Elliot. Bye.